Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. I would invite you now to turn to our second scripture lesson, which comes from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Are there any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteousness is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if any among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. This morning is going to cover the second part of a two-part sermon series on church officers. Before I went away, covered the ministry of deacons and how that applies to us. This morning, we're covering the ministry of elders or ruling elders, as we so call them in the Presbyterian church. But before we talk about elders, I just want to throw out a little word to you this morning, and that word is presbyteros. It's not albuterol or it's not some kind of asthma medication. (laughs) I I thought you might enjoy that. No, presbyteros is, like all things in the church, most likely going to be Greek. It's not medical jargon for some kind of medication, as I said. It's the Greek word that means elder. And in, in case you didn't guess already, presbyteros is where we get our name Presbyterians. We are a church that is governed by elders, governed in our polity, how the church is organized, governed in terms of worship by elders, teaching elders such as myself, and ruling elders who oversee the other portions of the church, such as your session. In our reflection today, we will see how ruling elders have evolved over time. Beginning from our scripture passage this morning, such as it talks about the ministry of elders, even going back to the Old Testament where we know Moses had gathered some of the elders of the tribes, and how elders have changed from being a position only limited to older men to now including so many 
more. In case you didn't know, if you looked at the composition of the session here, it's mostly women who are in charge of overseeing the church, which is amazing. The title of elder is one that is steeped in a long history and finds its roots in scripture that challenges how we envision implementing our spiritual and physical gifts and talents and ways that we make manifest the love of God in our local community. But just briefly, as I did with deacons, what is an elder? And I'm going to give you the very dry version first. As it comes to us from, not the Bible, but from the Book of Order, if you're a good Presbyterian, that says congregations should elect persons of wisdom and maturity of faith, having demonstrated skills and leadership and being compassionate in spirit. Ruling elders are named not because they lord their power over the congregation, but they are chosen to discern the measure of one's fidelity to the word of God and to strengthen and nurture the church's faith and life. That's a little bit about what it means to be a ruling elder. Ruling elders make up so much of the work here in this church. I think you can see evidence of that when you look around. And one of the things I like best about ruling elders in our church, what I love most about our work together as a teaching elder or minister of word and sacrament and ruling elders and everyone else who is a part of the church is that we have this little known clause that we call the freedom of conscience clause that says this, that so far as may be possible without serious departure from these standards, without infringing on the rights and views of others, and without obstruction, obstructing the governance of the church, freedom of conscience is to respect the interpretation of scripture and it's to be maintained. What I love about that is it means that in our work together, as ministers and as ruling elders who sit on session and for those who are here in this church who are active participants, it means that in our work together, we don't have to always see eye to eye on things. And that's okay. I don't know if you've ever been a part of an organization or a group that says, hey, it's okay if we don't all see eye to eye on this and you're still welcome, by the way. Now, of course, the freedom of conscience clause in our polity doesn't mean that you can go out and do whatever you want to do, because we are Presbyterians. We like decency and order. <laughs> so as long as you're not causing too much ruckus and you know, you're not purposefully trying to undercut people, having and holding together these rich views about what it means to live a life of faith together with one another is, I think, a very miraculous and wonderful thing because we value our freedom as Presbyterians. You actually just have to look back and see the 11 or so signatories on the Declaration of Independence who were Presbyterian. Yet, as I said, liberty and freedom does not mean we do whatever we want because we do like decency and order. But it means that in this space together, this thing we call the church, this community of faith, 
we reaffirm to one another the fact that while we are, yes, certainly governed by a certain way, we might worship a certain way, we are still God's people, friends. We are still God's people. And we bring to the table so many different life experiences. We bring to the table God has prepared for all of us, as we say, different interpretations sometimes of what faith looks like in our lives. We bring a rich tapestry to the table that encapsulates all these things, and we reaffirm that to the best of our ability, we will strive to respect and live in the community that we are building here in this place. Those are two key things, I think, that are important for us to remember, even not just in terms of being ruling elders, but how we live our faith, how we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. That if we could learn to live in community with one another in the midst of our differences and still see the imago dei, the image of God in one another, friends, I think things would look differently. So that's a little bit about what it is to be a ruling elder. I think I want to talk a little bit about the work of ruling elders. And this is also important for you to know as well, that there is a lot that goes behind the scenes that you don't know that they do. (laughs) Such as the fact that ruling elders make up the backbone of the church. Not just this church, but many other Presbyterian churches. They make up the backbone of what we do together. Not everyone knows this, but a fun fact is that ruling elders, if you're a ruling elder, you can serve in the higher-up administrative positions that are in our church. I have up there the General Assembly, which is a national one, the Synod, the Presbytery, local church. You might remember that we had our general presbyter here from Hudson River Presbytery talk, and she sort of sits at the head of our presbytery, and she too is a ruling elder, not a minister of word and sacrament, but a ruling elder. It's important to note that all these church bodies and councils, that in all these things, there are not bishops or archbishops who preside over them, but they are governed by a council of people, which I know there are plenty of jokes about Presbyterians and their councils, you know, such as how many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? You know the jokes. But I, th- <laughs> but I think it's in that richness of the council, of our collective work together, that we say in our tradition, That is where we will hear the voice of God. That we aren't relying on one person, one entity, but it is in our collective discernment where we are listening for where God is moving in our world. (laughs) Ruling elders in this larger context of their ministry provide leadership based on their spiritual maturity and the numerous other gifts they bring to the people 
of God. Now, in your local context here in this church, I think you can see how ruling elders function, how they are active in their work. One thing that if you aren't very familiar with the Presbyterian tradition, I as a pastor don't have a lot of say in a lot of things besides what happens here on Sunday morning. <laughs> Our clerk of session, who is the highest, uh, highest really position in the church, and the clerk of session along with the rest of the other ruling elders are the ones who really oversee and provide for the spiritual feeding of the congregation, who oversee the daily operations. I don't have a lot of say in a lot of things. <laughs> and while that may be true, going back to what we said earlier, it's important to note, though, that just because we have those roles given to us, there's overlap. We work together with one another. We share opinions. We share ideas. So yes, we each have certain roles, but this work, this ministry is done together. One of my earliest experiences with the ministry of ruling elders was as a high school student, where the church I grew up in ordained or uh, would choose high school students to sit on one-year terms as uh, youth elders. I had full voice, full vote, and as a high school student, like many high school students, you could imagine I didn't know a whole lot what was going on. <laughs> But it was actually, though, my first taste of what it was like to really dedicate time to a church. And over the course of my own pastoral ministry, I've had the pleasure to work with various elders in a couple different churches to really build relationships with elders uh, especially with the clerk of session, you always want to be on the clerk of session's good side. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> I say all this because the ministry of ruling elders and what we hear for us this day in our scripture reading has a lot to speak about how we live out our faith or search for our faith in a more meaningful way that applies to all of us here this day. That it's important, I think, to take the concept of ruling elder and to take the principle of not lording whatever power we have over others just because we have power. I think that's an important principle to live by that we don't just flex our muscles or flex our power just because we have it. That's something we can apply in our daily lives. We are also seeing this morning in our passage and in our discussion of ruling elders that yes, we should all strive as well to grow in our own faith that while we don't need a seminary degree or any other kind of advanced training, we should strive to set aside time in which we can better understand the role this God we come to worship each week 
what this God is saying and doing in our lives. Being an elder, whether you sit on session or not, I think has important implications for us today, especially as we hear this morning in our passage that talks about the elders praying over those who need prayer. Yes, it is also a ministry of prayer, praying together, praying for our community, praying for our neighbors next door who we may not even know their names, praying for this created world, praying that our work together here in this time and this place guides us, that is guided by the Holy Spirit and manifesting, as I said, the reconciling power of God in the world. We should remember that one does not have to sit on session to play an active role in the church's life. And while our scripture reading this morning and our other polity in the church says that, yes, some are uniquely called to the ministry of elder, we all have a responsibility to have a little skin in the game, so to speak, when it comes to living in a community with one another that is built on faith. So let us pray without ceasing for the well-being of those who are in this church, those who live nearby, those who live far away, and to act on those prayers. Let us hold one another accountable as we hear as well, keeping us in the spirit of God's life-giving love and grace. By incorporating these things into our daily practices, we remain faithful to what is written in the passage for today into the call of discipleship that Christ has written on all our hearts. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.